Welcome to the 44th episode of the Keeping It Real podcast. This episode is going to be a bit different. It's going to be laid back as we are going to rewind here on Keeping It Real. That is, rewind to a bunch of clips that have been taken or that I've spliced together from prior episodes on this podcast. This is done in a twofold way or for a twofold reason. One is it's to give you, the listener, an opportunity in case you missed certain episodes or maybe you didn't even know that certain episodes were there uh, in the archives of the Keeping It Real podcast to give you an opportunity to hear these clips and then perhaps refer back to those episodes that you've missed. Also, it gives you an opportunity as the listener to see again, as I've mentioned a number of times before, how each of the episodes build off of one another or they're all interconnected. And it's done by design because a lot of aspects of our lives are interconnected. The elements of our life, whether if they be familial or economic or relational or even religious, a lot of times those things are interconnected just even within a day-to-day daily living of our lives. Every effort is made in the spirit of the Lord to have Jesus Christ be front and center stage on this podcast. And when we make references to those other elements of our lives, that Christ would have sovereign rule and reign supreme in each of those elements. That is the point to the Keeping It Real podcast. That is the point to the Keeping It Real network. I greatly encourage you all to subscribe to the weekly blog that has, again, released several articles already. If you subscribe to that, you will get email notifications each week letting you know that a new and fresh blog article has been released. One more quick note, the Keeping It Real podcast after this episode will be taking a brief break for about a month as we are winding down the 2023 year. Uh, We're going to be taking a break over the Christmas and New Year's holidays, and then we will be back full steam ahead in the month of January of 2024, which my podcast uh, conversation partners have had a nice break here over recent weeks. They are going to be geared and ready come 2024, as we are actually going to have a compilation of episodes uh, that are going to be dialogue shows that are going to run in succession and monologue shows or the regular rhythm of a dialogue show and then a monologue show and then back to dialogue and back to monologue will be back into fruition or we'll be back to being a reality again down the road. But my conversation partners are definitely geared up and ready to go to join me in doing some fresh episodes for the 2024 year. So having said all of that, I hope now that you will enjoy this splicing together in addition to commentary and previewing each of the clips that have played so far on the Keeping It Real podcast. Again, I hope you enjoy this episode and also that it would be encouraging to you for you to go back if you've missed any prior episodes and again to get the vibe of the Keeping It Real podcast on the whole as the episodes build off of one another with having Jesus Christ at center stage 
of each and every episode and each and everything that is done on the Greater Keeping It Real Network. Welcome to the Keeping It Real Podcast. Only tired of fake stuff? Shouldn't we turn down a stale brand of living? It's time to open our hearts to Christ. It's time to keep it real. Here's your host, Ollie Gee. And a lot of people ask or they wonder, they inquire, well, who's Jesus anyway? They conjure up different opinions or belief systems based on Jesus, but very rarely does it coincide with the reality of Jesus, the reality of who he really was and who he really is. And this is even true of the, dare I say, the vast majority of Christians. There is a lack of understanding of who he really is, according to his word and the reality of his presence. Check out this clip from my conversation partner, Joe Kane, when he was on Keeping It Real. Okay. So how it, can we know for sure that he is the one and only true God? Well, there are, there are two theological terms for that, if you don't mind me doing a little Christianese. No, go ahead. All right. The first one is natural revelation. Natural revelation is God is seen and well, his work in his hand is seen in what has been created. The next is plenary revelation and that God is God's hand is seen in how the Bible has come about as he led men to write mm. the scripture um, and now has been compiled into a canon of scripture called the Bible. That's plenary. Um, and that plenary uh, revelation or inspiration has been given to us over thousands of years. So those are the two Okay. Now, the validity of, validity of those things, natural revelation, is very easy. You can't look at a, even a leaf of a tree without seeing the handiwork of God and how it works, just the leaf of a tree. Right. Um, and how it processes oxygen and carbon dioxide and how it grows and produces all these other things. It's pretty remarkable. Um, and that's the simplest of things. Uh, and then when you look at the Word of God, you have... Uh, it being written over a very long period of time. And over that period of time, there's been one consistent mm. reality and story that has been said through all different types of authors, all saying the same thing over a very, over thousands of years. And that is the story of redemption, that God will come and redeem a people, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Jesus reiterates this on the road to Emmaus when he says to them, have you not read all that Moses and the prophets and mm. the law say about me. And then uh, after he did that, he, the scripture says that Jesus had taught them or opened up to them all that was written about himself. And then, of course, another aspect or element, again, is, is family or familial uh, relations, familial entities of our lives. And uh, we've made every effort here on Keeping It Real to have Christ front and center when discussing family, when pondering family. And of course, we certainly hope that it would translate into an application to have Christ at the core of family life, whether if it be in a husband-wife relationship or a relationship between parents and children or between children and their parents, or of course it includes extended family, all aspects of family, there is a great desire that there would be an application to the principles ministered on the Keeping It Real podcast 
that would be applied and implemented in each of your family's lives as listeners. Listen to a clip from this episode done with KIR's own conversation partner, Tatiana Dunnett, discussing these principles on the episode, Hush Little Baby. What is your greatest, now delving deeper, right? And now we're going to kind of really get into some stuff, okay? (laughs) Uh, Give you a chance to be transparent all the more here. What is your greatest fear as a mom for your child growing up in the foreseeable future in this growing pagan culture that you referenced earlier, Mm -hmm. this growing pagan culture that we happen to find ourselves in? That is such a multifaceted question. So I'll break that up just a little bit. Uh, For me, initially, when I found out that I was pregnant, I immediately felt a responsibility to break the chain of doubt and fear and questions that I had as a, as a young girl growing up, um, being someone who was adopted, but prior to, you know, moving to the U S, uh, you know, living in an orphanage and experiencing, um, abuse and and questioning my value and my worth, knowing that I had been abandoned by my own mother. I want to make sure that my child never has to question or feel that from me. And that is something that I, I mean, I, there were days that I just wept over the thought of ever hurting my child in a way that would make them question, you know, does mom love me? Does mom, does mom value me? You know, what is my worth? And I just, so for me, that was, that was a a deep responsibility that I felt for myself to make sure. Now, am I going to fail my child? Am I going to mess up? Am I going to say things that I shouldn't in anger and frustration and exhaustion? Absolutely. There have already been moments at three o'clock in the morning, (laughs) you know, baby screaming. And I'm like, what do you want? Stop crying please just go to sleep. And I, you know, I'm, I'm frustrated and then I feel terrible about it. And I have to apologize later. Ah, yes. Wonderful principles laid out to us by Tatiana. Well, how about economic elements within our lives? Um, God has certainly called us to work, but he has not called us to hoard uh, money or to, to be a lover of money for the root of all evil is the love of money. According to first Timothy six, My conversation partner, Jeff Stuppy, certainly laid this out in the episode that we did, episode number 26, working a job for God. What is the point in even working a job? And is the job to have us or do we just have a job as of service to exemplify and magnify Christ and the kingdom of God? Check this insight out from Jeff Stuppy. But how have you stopped? How or how has someone who's given their life to Christ get transformed in their thinking and their attitude towards aspects of life, including a job or their place of employment? Well, there's many ways. As as God continues to grow us, He will also humble us because He loves us, and it's like humble or be humbled, right? Mm-hmm. So get low, or, or He'll He'll help you get low, and. He has certainly presented me in very many challenging situations where he's made it obvious that I need him to help me guide, get through things. And when I started this job I'm at now, I was thrown into a system implementation upgrade, which I had 
understood the system we were changing to, but I understood nothing about the new business. And I was sat in a room with about eight other people and I was looked at as a co-project manager. So I was in a leadership position right away and I didn't know what I was doing. And I felt really stupid for several months, but I was also just praying, God, get me through this, get me through Mm -hmm. this. And Mm -hmm. as he is so often proven through his, his word that you, you test by fire and you come out, right. It's like, He'll get you through to the other side and then you'll be, you'll be stronger for it. So if you just can, if you just have the faith and you're able to, to, to hold on to that, he'll get you through it. Well, let's move from economics and working a job to the religious system. And uh, I had a whole series on the Keeping It Real podcast here fairly recently called the Killer Gods and Idols series. And one of the idols that um, was magnified in that series or that was brought out that I really zeroed in on and locked in on was the God and idol of religiosity. In that episode, I exposed uh, many church practices that have been a part of really the Christian faith for so long. And then the thing is, is that are these things just tradition-based or how do they line up with scripture? I certainly even Um, hone in on it all the more in the blog article entitled In the Name of Tradition. So why don't you check out these clips as they are certainly challenging and gives us food for thought. So he uses the cup in in the dish as connection pieces. And he says, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self indulgence. So what does Jesus mean here? He's saying that No way, no how would you, especially in your prestigious position of being a Pharisee or a scribe, I mean, these people are not poor that he's talking to, uh, comparatively speaking to a number of other folks, no way would you use a cup or a dish if it's dirty on the inside. You wouldn't just look for it to be shiny on the outside or make sure it's looking right or presentable on the outside. The inside's clean too. There's no way you're going to pour water into a dirty cup and then drink it. You would find that unacceptable. You would find that just not tolerant, not being able to tolerate that. So Jesus talks to them in a way that you wouldn't tolerate having an inside of the dish dirty to drink something like water, but yet you are so tolerant in being having your outward appearance look shiny, look presentable, look flashy, like everyone's coming to you for answers, but on the inside, you're filthy. He says, you are full of extortion and self-indulgence. So to put this another way, Jesus says, you are taking time, talent, and treasures for yourself only. That's what extortion is. Extortion is, right, basically a a way of stealing, a way of taking something that's not really yours. And he tells the Pharisees, while you may not literally be committing theft in the sense that you're going into somebody else's home or you're stealing somebody else's property, you are stealing from others by taking your time, your talent, and the treasures that you've been gifted with and using it for yourself only. 
You are full. He says on the inside that is in your heart. You are full of extortion and self-indulgence. You're taking it for yourself only. You're not considering others. You don't really care about others. You're only caring about how you are viewed by others. And so what does this do? It ultimately robs God of glory. That is the harshest part of this. Because while they think or they are acting like putting on the front, like they are giving God all this glory with their religious activity, going to the synagogue all the time, praying a bunch of times, and possibly giving some of their money to the poor. Jesus says, you are really using your time, your talent, and your treasures for self-indulgence and because your heart is full of extortion. You're doing it totally for you. You have set yourself up as your own God. Well, and then the thing is, don't just take my word for it. I had Tom Lenart. Another conversation partner, the newest conversation partner of the Keeping It Real podcast, and very recently did an episode with me that I entitled Divine Movement in Madagascar. The reason why it's entitled that is because Tom took a missions trip to Madagascar, specifically ministering to prisoners. He does prison ministry uh, full time, uh, not by vocation, but he certainly does prison ministry here in the States. And he has traveled several times abroad to do prison ministry. And recently he was in Madagascar. And here's what he had to say about that incredible experience. And Madagascar was just an opportunity to, to do that. And, you know, we have lots in scripture. You mentioned one, you know, it is biblical and, and, and it has to do with the great, the great and final commandment. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That, that's in Matthew. Uh, and uh, we see lots of scripture that, that commands us. You know, in Hebrews, it says, remember those in prisons, fellow prisoners, as if you were their fellow prisoners. And, and in Luke, we have passages, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recover sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And on and on. There's plenty of um, plenty of scripture that tells us we need to do this, Oliver. And um, I have to tell you, I was able to bring, um, well, our team of six, we were able to bring uh, six bags, 50 pounds a piece of medical supplies. While in country, we bought 11 hundred dollars worth of medicines for the prisoners and that goes a long way in madagascar the the re there's uh one dollar is equal to four thousand four hundred re and so you can imagine that you're able to get many many much more medicine there per prison uh with the dollar than to, to buy it and bring it uh and uh we were able to bring um seven one gallon uh, bag full of um, reading glasses to each prison so we, not only were we able to bless them with the word, uh, the gospel, the light of Jesus, and that was the main reason we were there. We blessed them with uh, humanitarian aid, with medical aid to help these prisoners um, physically and spiritually. And there you have it, as we've touched on familial aspects, economic aspects, relational aspects, and even religious aspects uh, or elements of our lives. But for the rest of our time in this rewind episode of the Keeping It Real podcast, I would love to just hone in on the person of Jesus Christ because he is what this whole network, this Keeping It Real network is all about. And he is what our lives should 
completely be, a, be about. Our lives should be saturated in Christ as we get consumed by him. The flesh should be put more and more to death as the spirit is made more and more alive in our lives. And I'd like to play now this clip all the way back from episode number two, the very, just the second episode of the Keeping It Real podcast, which was entitled The Essence of Life. And I'm not talking about biblical education just to stimulate the mind, just to know a lot of factual information about the scriptures, or just to have a lot of head knowledge about who, what the Bible says. I'm talking about experiencing Christ as the essence because he is essential. How often have we really experienced the Lord's presence? To repeat that quote that I emphasized just a moment ago from Lance Lambert and the eternal purpose of God, which I highly recommend that read, by the way. If the Lord does not have our ear, he does not have us. Our Christian life and service will be largely self-manufactured built out of the wood, hay, and stubble of our self-life. It will be work done for the Lord and not the work of the Lord. And that's a huge difference. Life as the Lord intended it, Christ as the essence. And then, of course, I had this to say on the episode entitled The Cheap Thrill Express. And the truth of the matter is, is that nothing or no one outside of Christ satisfies. Nothing. They can't, not in religious circles. Every religion in the world is based off of performance. And Christianity has even tried to do this as well. If you work hard at being a good person, God will accept you. No, I'm already accepted in the beloved, it says in Ephesians chapter one. I'm a child of the king. I don't have to work at it. There's no working. I am free where the spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty or freedom, it says. In the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 3. So all I got to do is respond to the Lord. The Lord is already speaking to you and to me. And all I need to do is just listen. I've just got to be still enough to listen and then to respond to his grace, to respond to his activity, to, to join him in what he's already doing, and then to enter therein, and then on to the next thing that he's looking to gain ground on in my life. The Cheap Thrill Express is easy to get on. But in order to get off, we've got to put our heart on the altar of Christ and leave it there. And that's just it. So much of the Christian life for, dare I say, most Christians is rendered rather powerless. It's powerless because it's diluted of power. There's a lot of shallow living going on. In fact, A.W. Tozier wrote a book, The Dangers of a Shallow Faith, which you can see in the recommended read section at KIRradio.com, along with several other books that come highly recommended uh, next to scripture, of course. But those books are definite top reads and really, I would hope, would be what everyone would consider to have in their home. And I discussed some of that power or aspects of spiritual power with Tim Holloway on his podcast entitled Kingdom Militia, or what is known as the Kingdom Militia podcast. He asked me some very pointed questions on even why keeping it real. Like there is something to just even the very title. What It's a loaded name for a podcast and a network. Here's how I answered 
All right. So keeping it real, man, what was the passion behind that? I got to say, uh, I told you when I went on your podcast that, uh, that name, keeping it real, you know, right. It reminds me of, you know, being honest and vulnerable and telling the truth and, 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 uh, you know, stop all the, the hiding that, that goes on in church. You know, you put on your happy face and you just, you just come in Oakley Doakley. How are you? Yeah. I'm blessed with highly favored or, you know, all of these different things, but, so it, it spikes a, a lot of things in my mind that the title, where did you get the passion for that? And where'd you get that, that title from brother? Well, I tell you what, brother, I really appreciate that question because yeah. that goes right into my wheelhouse. Okay. The Lord through the experiences that I described in pastoral ministry and describing that something was off, something okay. serious was off. One of the things that just burdened me intensely, I mean, I would go home crying. I would go home broken, pouring my heart out to God. Lord, there's something missing <laughs> because, yeah. and, and this is not to say, because I know I've got friends of mine that hold near and dear to going to their institutional church. It's not to, you know, get a sledgehammer out and just totally. Yeah condemn them, make them feel terrible or anything like that. I just know what, what was in it for me and what God was working in my life was there's something way more and something way greater here. And my experience in the institutional church circles is there's a lot of superficiality. Yeah. There's a lot of shallow, deluded living I mean, you show up to church and everybody's happy, right? Everybody's got their Sunday best on, whatever version of their Sunday best is. And nobody's got any problems. <laughs> you have problems. Um, They're only sharing it with like their best friend or family member that's there with them. Like, and I yeah. didn't see that in the New Testament at all. Like Peter's preaching a sermon on Pentecost and the the, these new brothers and sisters in Christ approach him and the rest of the apostles, they were pricked in their heart. And they go to him and said, men and brethren, what should we do? You know, they no, were no. hungry. They were eager. They were, they were all in, you know, and you see these instances of brokenness where even the Lord Jesus himself was so broken and so burdened to get off constantly to a quiet place to pray. I mean, we don't have that in 21st century Christendom, by and large. Yeah, and that yeah, burdened yeah. me. And so I thought, okay, now Lord's moving me on from this. Now, what is he moving me on to? And I just knew I want some sense of reality, reality yeah, yeah. in Christian living. Jumping back to this podcast, I had the distinguished privilege of interviewing Frank Viola, probably my favorite author and Christian speaker of all time. And he wrote a book recently called The 48 Laws of Spiritual Power. I interviewed him on this podcast. In fact, the interview was so long, it took up two episodes, which of course I didn't mind, and neither did he. Here's what he said in regards to his book entitled 48 Laws of Spiritual Power, which you can also find again at kirradio.com. How is it that seemingly so many Christians embrace the cross that is death to self at the time when they accepted the Lord, but forget largely and largely neglect the cross 
for most of their Christian lives. Well, you're hitting on law number 19, develop an instinct for the cross. And it's a great question. Um, And I'm glad you asked it because I do want to riff on this a bit. If I were to speak in front of 100 ministers today from all different denominations and movements, and I said, I want to talk to you today about the cross of Jesus Christ, I would dare say that the vast majority of them would think that I'm going to talk about the atoning death, the sacrificial death of Christ, right? what he did in his own death. I think very few of them would think or would assume or their minds would jump to, he's going to talk about self-denial. He's going to talk about all the places in the Gospels where Jesus said, if you don't take up your cross, you cannot follow me. Mm-hmm. And if if anybody listening to this would just do a study, it's so easy now, you can pull up a Bible program uh, online, many Many different uh, websites have that. And you just uh, search the word cross in the Gospels. Um, You're going to find that when it came off the lips of Jesus Christ, he was mainly talking about the principle of the cross, dying to self, laying your life down, losing, letting go. And there are many, many passages about this where he is talking about this principle. I think that when most people come to Christ, they believe on Christ, they repent and trust in him, they surrender their lives to him, they um, are given a little bit of teaching, depending on what you know tribe of, of Christianity they have been exposed to, right. on surrender, self-surrender, right? So, okay, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. He's Lord, and I'm submitting to his lordship, or I'm making him Lord, as, as some people uh, use the phrase. But after that, a message on the cross, meaning the bearing of the cross, is very rare in the Christian world, even in even among the evangelicals, even mm-hmm. among the charismatics. It's very rare to hear somebody speak for 45 minutes or longer on the cross of Jesus Christ, not talking about his atoning death, but talking about all the places where he is talking about or speaking about the principle of the cross and bidding you and I to die upon it. Hmm. Uh, it's all over Paul's epistles as well. You know, I die right. daily. Yes. Um, it is through death that we enter into life, uh, bearing about in my body the marks of Jesus Christ. So it's all over the New Testament, and yet it's very rarely preached today. And unless a person has experienced it, they can't preach it, at least not in power, not where it's going to have an impact. Yeah, I love that clip and so much more in those episodes with Brother Frank. And I love what he not only has to say about power, but just even in pondering for some moments on the power of Christ is so invigorating, so energizing. And that is, again, the great point to keeping it real to the greater network. And you may have been listening just to this episode, and you've heard the splicing together of all this content over the prior vast number of episodes of the Keeping It Real podcast. And you're thinking, wow, that's kind of weird. <laughs> and I could understand how one could come to that conclusion. But when one gives their heart over to Jesus Christ, 
and they get radically changed. It's not just about being saved by Christ. It's about being transformed by Christ. And that is what Tatiana Dunnett so clearly and so eloquently emphasized in this episode entitled At the Core of a Woman. The Bible says Mary wiped his feet now with her hair. What is the significance of the hair? How might most people, especially men, not fully comprehend the hows or the whys in how she wiped or cleaned his feet with her hair? A woman's hair was her like glory. It was long and beautiful and taken care of. And it was a lot of what defined her outward beauty. And it was kind of like her her prize. And the fact that she took, again, something so valuable to her identity, at least within the society, and used it to do something so lowly as if washing the dirtiest part of a man's, well, anybody's body, but this man's feet, uh, she took that and allowed it to be to be dirtied because she came to him in, in a posture of reverence and humility and servitude. That's a big deal. Again, the other reason why people struggle with connecting with Jesus Christ, that is the unbelieving world, can't even really begin to imagine who he is or what he'd be like, is because of this great idol known as the idol in the mirror. Check out what I had to say in this episode, the very first episode of the Killer Gods and Idols series. Christ has come to give us life and for us to have it to the full. And King Saul couldn't understand, he didn't understand that. Because he was totally disconnected from God. Think about his life. He was the first king. He was one of the most prestigious people to have ever lived. He he got honored and privileged with holding the position of the first king of, of God's people, the Israelites. And he lived an empty life. And not just sort of empty, not just kind of empty, a majorly empty life. In fact, it was so bad that he had to get David to play the harp for him, that being the only thing that could calm him down when he was greatly distressed. And David was the first anointed king of Israel. For the most most of his life, a righteous man, the Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart. And that is the man that Saul chose to hunt down and wanted dead for a long time, for years. And that left the nation of Israel in such turmoil because there was such division. So it was so bad for Saul, that his biggest enemy is who God used to give him just very temporary, very brief points of relief for all of the times of great distress that he was in. It's the only thing that would calm him down, and yet he still wanted David dead. You and I as American citizens, what drives us? Okay, Because again, who or what someone worships will come out and how they spend their time talent, and treasures. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Keeping It Real podcast. That is Keeping It Real in Rewind. Hope everybody has a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I certainly hope that all of you will check out the brand new episodes that'll be due out in a few short weeks with my conversation partners. I certainly hope that they will be so impactful. It'll grab a hold of your heart and drive you to such a greater love for Jesus Christ.